Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we have a Millennial Music Chat with Stephen Kellogg. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Games. It will expand your brain. A few months ago, we saw this week's Lifestyle Thursday guest, singer-songwriter Stephen Kellogg, open for one of our other favorite bands here in Los Angeles, and we instantly fell in love with his singing and his mad storytelling skills. He has some really great stories. So we just had to have him on, on the show, right? So, and we, we have this list uh, that Sean and I are like, oh, we need to get this person, we need to get that person. Or if we see, you know, a band, we're like, oh, we, or hear a band, we're like, we want to get them on the show. So this week we have Stephen Kellogg, singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, 
on the show, and he's actually has a really, really interesting story, and he's gone through some really big ups and some low downs in his singing career, and he's not afraid to chat about it to his fans or other live audiences, for that matter, because a few years ago, Stephen was also tapped to do a TED Talk in Portland about job satisfaction, which garnered a few hundred thousand views on YouTube. It's a really uh, great talk, and we will actually have a link to that. Uh, on this podcast, so you want to check out his TED Talk. It's really cool, and he sings a great song at the end as well, too. So check out our great conversation with this ever-talented singer-songwriter and troubadour storyteller, Stephen Kellogg. We talked about his upcoming postcard tour starting in September, so you want to check that out. We had a, at a venue near you. The impact his career has had since he actually did the TED Talk and how pizza is the greatest food in the world. So like I said, check out our links to Steven's music as well as his TED Talk, his entire TED Talk that we'll have up for you guys. I was thinking about the man I thought I'd be He had confidence as I recall Footlights dancing at his feet Sometimes we sign up for Ain't exactly what it seems But I was thinking about The man I thought I'd be So, Stephen, thanks for coming on the show. We totally appreciate it. Oh, it's great to chat. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So, I saw you a couple... I discovered you. I, I, um, a couple months ago, I saw our friend Drew Holcomb's show at the El Rey Theater here in L.A., and and you're awesome. I love your I love your music. I've dove into it and stuff. And um, I want to know. I, I saw on your TED talk, and we'll mention, we'll talk about that a little bit later. That that you you mentioned that you want to get into music because you saw Bon Jovi and guys like Van Halen or something like or you know uh, David Lee Roth kicking and everything like that. And but you kind of went more of the singer songwriter route. How did you kind of get into music, and how did you kind of move into that direction? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I definitely the the excitement of of being ten years old and my sister taking me to White Snake and seeing, you know, seeing there's pyro. I mean, it was so thrilling, and so you kind of go, I want to do that, right. and then you're sort of faced with the reality of of who you are, you know. And by the time I was, you know, an adult and making music, I think it kind of. Um, I realized I probably wasn't going to be in like a metal glam, like heavy rock star situation. And it just made more sense to kind of to, you know, to write songs and play shows that felt a little more like connected to my own to to the personality I actually had. And that that really fell in the singer songwriter genre. Right. Well, what were you kind of listening to uh, growing up that kind of influenced that? Well, I went through phases like like most of us, I guess. You know, I I, def- I started with the '80s metal, and then I got really into the Dead and the Allman Brothers and music like that. And then and then when I was about college age, I started listening to um, more uh, Bob Dylan and um, John Prine, and you know, and, so- mm. and Tom Petty. You know, more traditional classic rock, and then songwriters jackson brown was another or you know uh, bob seger mm-hmm. and so you start kind of you know, some of them were a little more rocking than others but you start really listening to people who's who the whole thing is about the song mm-hmm. and uh, and that was another phase and then somewhere along the way you know i was introduced to 
Ryan Adams and Whiskey Town and that kind of alt country sound, and I really liked that too. And uh, some, you know, you keep ingesting all these different things, and somewhere along the way, you kind of develop your own sound and 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 become a product of all those things. Right. Well, when did you kind of discover that you actually had some songwriting talent? Man, I you know. I, I don't know because I, <laughs> I, I I played in high school and then in college I, I never really got a proper summer job because I would play shows and um, but I also think I fell into the to the kind of uh, mentality of what are you really gonna do and what's your fallback and mm. you know I didn't really believe that it was a, a real possible job and I don't think until maybe two thousand and four. Uh, I got offered a, a recording contract with Universal Records, and that that was probably the first indication that maybe I really could do this at least for you know part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, but it still was several years after that, and more record deals and all this stuff that I, I still kept thinking like, well, you know, when are they going to find out that I'm <laughs> an average dude? You know. <laughs> and uh and so at some point you know after doing it professionally for 10 and then 15 years you know you start taking stock of you know what it is that you do uh well you know and what it is that you need to work on and and one of the things i think i did have a level of confidence in you know at some point along you know the the route was the songwriting i always felt like you know, I could see the songs uh, connecting with people. So I knew that was real. I didn't know if the other stuff was real. I didn't know if the reviews were real. Mm. I didn't know if the record sales were real. But I, but I, knew, that the, um, I knew that the songwriting was real because I could see it in the audience in the mm. live set. So, yeah. Right. Well, and you, you also kind of, you, you had a band for many years too, right? And then, and then you kind of moved into to your own, own solo stuff? Yeah, I had a band for I had the same band, the Sixers, for mm -hmm. ten years, mm -hmm. uh, and we went on a, a what will probably prove to be a permanent hiatus <laughs> uh, in 2012. Um, it, and it was always kind of my vision. I was always the quarterback, but we were very much a band. Each mm -hmm. of the guys, you know, brought something very real to the table, and uh, and at some point after ten years of being on the road together. The uh, some of the people in the in the group needed a change or needed to get off the road, and so I, I have continued on and continued to you know be friendly and 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 play with all all the people that I played with for those ten years. But uh, I just knew that this that I wanted to continue doing, you know, roughly what I was doing initially. So um, yeah, so I was part of a band, but 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 not that much has mm. sort of changed over the last five years. Since then, we've I've kind of continued, you know, down the road that I was that I was on. Right, but and, but sometimes you you play solo, and sometimes you'll you'll play with a band because like you you mentioned that you have a trio that you're taking on the road uh, coming up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's probably one of the one of the you know if there was an upside to to not being in a band anymore. Uh, and there's certainly some downsides. Mm -hmm. I mean, I miss those guys' company, uh, you know. But uh, but one of the upsides is that I, I've mixed it up a lot more in the last five years. I'll go out and do a solo tour. I can do a trio tour. I can, you know, go out with a band. And I do a lot of different things. And, and yeah, this tour coming up, the postcard tour, we're going to 
I'll have a trio out and I'm doing it as kind of a storyteller's mm. thing where I really just talk about each of the songs each night and uh, let the audience vote on a portion of the set and pick, you know, deep cuts that I can't remember how to play and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> that, sounds yeah. A good, that sounds like a great idea. So you're going to have a song list up there on stage and they can just pick from there? Yeah, yeah we made this, like, giant board of... of it's not the whole catalog. Yeah. It's about... 80 songs, okay. you know, right. and, and which I know to varying degrees. And, you know, what we're going to do is when you when you come in, everybody gets three votes and they can pick their top three that they want to hear. And I'll play, you know, for the middle part of the set, maybe five songs. I'll, I'll pick the top five that, that get voted on each night. Right. And don't you think that kind of brings more of an intimacy to the to the gig, too? And you're, you're kind of really connecting with people? Yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, it sounds fun. I, I always try to think of things that if I were going to a show that I'd be into, you know, things that, that would appeal to me. And, and I, I thought this would be a great way to, you know, push things a little bit and get out of the habit of playing the same songs every mm. night, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll, there'll be some night where I forget the words to some song and I'll be <laughs> cursing this idea. But you know, right now, it seems like a good idea. Right. Well, it's 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 a real challenge for you too. It is. It is because it's a lot. You know, because the songs are really lyric driven and and kind of wordy, most of them. Sure. That's the trickiest thing is just remembering all these words that I've you know written because some of these songs are 15, 20 years old now. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, I was going through your catalog of music and stuff, and I really love your your last album, uh, Southwest Northeast. And it's a real conceptual album, isn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Uh, it's uh, I did I did each part of the record uh, in a different part of the country um, with a different producer and different musicians. So South we did in Nashville, um, and West we did in Colorado. Uh, and then north I did up in Woodstock, New York, and then east in in um, Washington, D.C. And, and each of them are kind of lean into the different genres that I like to, you know, west is a little folkier and east is a little poppier mm. and south is more like a southern rock vibe and north is kind of a little more indie sounding. Mm. So it was, a, it was a very liberating to have an opportunity to make a record and not worry about what you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to sound like and just kind of, you know, just be each of those things for a little bit and then move on. Um, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Is, is, that, is, that, is that the main reason you kind of came up with the concept of that? Well, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a band called OAR that I'm mm. good friends with and write some songs with. And, and one morning I got on a plane and was randomly sitting next to Mark Robert. <laughs> Yeah. who's the lead singer of that band and a friend of mine. And uh, so we were playing each other some songs we were working on. And I was saying, you know, that, that the record label that I was working with at the time was disappointed because I just wouldn't commit to kind of one sound, mm -hmm. you know? And they said, and they were, they, you know, they said, it just makes it hard to market. And I, that makes sense. I totally get it. I'm mm -hmm. not like, you know, I'm not making the record company have to be bad guys, but I was saying, you know, I just don't feel like I can do that. Yeah. And Mark said, I think you should make a record with, with each of the seasons, you know, and give them all different vibes. And so I didn't end up doing the seasons, but, but it got me to thinking, boy, that would be cool to make a, mm -hmm. to make a record where you just were unapologetically able to 
you know, just lean one way for a minute, mm -hmm. lean another way for, a, you know, and I feel like that's more, more real to what it is to, to what I'm actually about. So, uh, I have Mark to thank for, for the idea. And, and it really was one of the funnest records I've ever made. I mean, it was a real cool experience. And, uh, even though it's, you know, a double album and 20 songs, it actually was easier to make because it was just, you know, little five, five song pieces, you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, what's, what's your songwriting process when you're at, you're, uh, going to make an album? Are, are you kind of thinking of themes like that? Or are you just kind of, you know, have a lot of ideas and then let's put it in and see what you got? The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. 
And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I was... When I was starting out, I think I did more of just, you know, you just have songs and you just kind of grab them and throw them together. And, and 
in some ways, you know, who knows, that may be some of, of what the issues with marketing the music early on were. They, you know, they sounded at times slightly disjointed because you have all these different things going on. But these days when I make records, because I have made a bunch now, I really try to get into a theme and see if there's an underlying theme going on in my life or something right now, you know, that I can that I can build the songs around. So it's not necessarily a matter of writing all the songs to that theme, but I'll look at the songs that I've written uh, and that I'm working on and I'll say, you know, is there, is there something interesting here? Is there a, is there a hook here that we want to make a record about? Because I've made a lot of records now and you don't want to just keep doing the same things and repeating yourself. So you kind of look for interesting, you know, new frontiers mm -hmm. uh and uh and so you know so these days now I, you know i'm starting to think about the next record here now and i've i've got a bunch of songs and i'm kind of looking for that theme but i think one of the things i'm going to do on this next record is uh uh you know i've i've got so many great talented friends who i've been in this business with for a bunch of years mm -hmm. And so what I'm what I'm going to do is is take each of the songs that I've, that is going to be on this record, and I'm going to find one kind of guest friend who I who I really feature on the song. So, you know, it's it'll be kind of my version of of that album Santana made years again, where years ago where he had all you know the people. But I but that kind of got me excited and thinking about okay, which friends do I want? Have I been wanting to collaborate right. with, and how do we do that? So uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking about doing next right do you do you have a deadline for for the next album or and do you normally have a deadline of oh, okay you want to get something or get in the studio and start recording by this time yeah i don't have a deadline right now for this record which is probably why it's taking longer right, exactly you know we need those things um but you know but i did have deadlines for more than a decade I, you know i was on record labels and there were deadlines and there were people saying we need this and i like that in a way cuz it kept you on track but uh but right now i i don't i'm i'm sort of done with all my my deals and i'm putting things out independently and i'm releasing a, a double live record this fall um so i've kind of got that as a holdover for the moment and uh, and I just with my manager, we just set up some sort of self-imposed deadlines of when we when we want to have things done by. So I think I think deadlines are really they're they're clutch and and you know. But I don't have somebody saying, you know, there there aren't there isn't a company that's in any way financially dependent upon me right, right. now, which is, is kind of nice. So I'm you know it kind of frees me up to really do whatever I want to do and not have to sell anybody on that concept for the moment. Uh, and the record industry has changed so much, you know, in recent years that this is more, I think, of, of the new new condition for artists. You know, it's it's really about when you say you're ready to put something out and then making it happen. Right. I mean, totally. Um, one of the things I, I, I think our audience would really love about you and that, that I discovered as well, too, was your TED Talk you did a few years ago in uh, in Portland. Um, how did that come about and what was your, your, tell us about your topic about the job satisfaction. Well, so, to, so 2013 is when I did that Ted talk and, uh, the band played its, you know, had played its last show together, its last official show at the end of that year. So I was feeling pretty, you know, change is terrifying, yeah. you know? 
it's just like you're sitting there and you're going, all right, what does the next chapter look like? And uh, a curator from TED had reached out, who had reached out the year prior as well, and said, come on, let's do a TED Talk. I really want you to do one. And I, 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 you know, I had some time on my hands at that moment, so there was really no good reason to say no. Uh, and it's an honor, but I knew it was probably going to be a bit of work. And as soon as you say yes, you know, you realize <laughs> what you've gotten yourself into. Right. You, know, you get this email that's like, "You now have to give the best talk of your entire piano falls on your head tomorrow." There's your deadline. This is it, and yeah. there is a definite deadline, and yeah. you know. So um, when I started thinking about what did, what did I have to say, I, I, especially at that moment, I didn't really feel like an expert at music mm. or at bands. You know, my band had just broken up. I just kind of I hadn't had big hit songs. I just kind of felt like I don't know. I didn't want to talk about things that I didn't feel like I could you know knowledgeably talk about. Uh, and then I. And then I stumbled on the idea that the thing I really did feel like a pro at was enjoying my work. Because even when things got really rough out there, you know, and, and stuff wasn't going right one way or another, I really have enjoyed the adventure that has been this career. And so that was the seed for can I give a talk on job satisfaction? And as I dug into it and started talking to you know, friends who hated their jobs and started kind of testing some of the strategies that had worked for me to getting through the, the tougher parts of work. I, you know, I found that I had some stuff that, that I thought was worth sharing and it, it really shaped uh, an exciting talk and kind of helped me recommit to my own career. Um, and then I and then I gave the talk in in March of 2013 and that, that opened up the door to doing more speaking and, and to some great dialogue with, with other people. So that, that, that was a life changing experience and a really fun thing to, to have done. Uh, but was very terrifying when it first <laughs> popped up as an opportunity. Right, right. Well, and we'll, we'll have the link on, on our, on our website too. So people could actually check out the whole, the whole, your whole, uh, your whole talk there. But uh, one of the things I love that you, t you, you mentioned uh, that you want your, or people should have, you know, a love for their work, like sex and pizza, right? Tell us a little yes, bit. Of, tell us a little bit about, about your theory well, about sex yeah, and pizza. I mean, you know, sex and pizza, even when they're bad, they're pretty great. Right. You know, it's like um, so. I think that when I, when I started doing research on how much we of our life we spend working, it, you you realize okay, other than sleep, this is the main thing that you're going to do. You're going to work. So. You either need to find work that you absolutely adore, or if you are doing jobs in a job that isn't maybe your first choice of, of career, you need to find ways to, to get the most out of it anyway, because it's going to consume so many of the hours of your day. And I think that a lot of us uh, struggle with that. Mm. So... Um, you know, my thought and an idea is is why not try to make this as good as it can possibly be? You know, uh, and and it's uh, and I in the TED talk I kind of talk about it. Sometimes it's just as simple as knowing why you're doing what you're doing. You know, if you're if you're uh, selling ads was one of the jobs I had before I became a musician, and 
I didn't love doing it, but knowing that I was doing it to, you know, help buy that engagement ring for the girl of my dreams was, it actually motivated me on a daily basis. It was like, all right, this is one of the things that I need to key into in that case. And, you know, that's just, that's just a one small thing, but I think, I think there are concrete strategies that you can pretty much apply to any job, even even the worst of them, you know. And people, since I did that talk, people have definitely put me to te- the test and said, "All right, Kellogg, like, tell me how I'm supposed to like this job." And you know, then <laughs> it doesn't mean every job's yeah, great. Yeah, uh, that would be hypocritical to sit here being like, "Well, I'm a rock singer and I like my job. Why don't you like yours?" I'm right. not. I get it. I understand the challenges, but that was the idea in sort of developing that that talk. Right. When you also had a couple of different life changes you mentioned and, and career changes in that, like um, talk real quickly about the, the St. Jude story about you playing there and how that kind of affected you. Playing the St. Jude Children's Hospital in Memphis was a big one because uh, we realized I went with the whole band with the Sixers and we went there in 2006 and our management at the time kept saying, you know, you have to align with certain charities and, mm. you know, you got to do something. And we were kind of like, we can barely pay our rent. How are we going to help anybody else? You know, we, right. we, were, we were playing the short game there a little bit. And uh, so we went in and we played for parents uh, with sick kids. We played for sick kids. We met the people that worked there. And we were so moved by the whole experience that we realized pretty much then and there, I mean, within the week we had a band meeting where we sat down and said, all right, let's get behind some stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause this, you realize how, how much it fuels you and makes you, you just think, wow, like you, if you have a, if you have a gift of any kind, if you have any aptitude sharing it, not just for the money, mm-hmm. but sharing it, just sharing it, 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 it uh, infuses you with sure energy and and with uh you know so so for us at that time we started doing started doing overseas trips and playing for the troops Hmm. and we started doing lots of children's hospitals and those were two things we said these are pretty much always going to be a yes if we can help in these areas other other doesn't mean we won't do other things but you know you get asked to do a lot of things uh and you want to do a lot of things for people but we, but as a collective, we decided those were going to be the two things we jumped into. And here I am, you know, twelve years later, and most of the of the work that I do with charitable organizations still centers around those two things, you know, military and and kids, and and uh, those both excite me, you know, as much today as they as they did then. So. Right. Well, and I think I think too, it's it's great obviously to travel, you know, the country and the world and and play music and stuff like that, but. It's also hard to do that too. So I think that would be a part of your job satisfaction of just like, wow, you know, we're giving back and we're also connecting with the whole, you know, not only just audience, but just people in general. Absolutely. Uh, the, the first time we went and played overseas for the military, you know, we're not the most famous band in the world, that's for yeah. sure. And so you're, you're sitting there playing to a crowd where 92% of them don't know who you are and yeah. maybe listen to a different kind of music. So you have to really just you take your ego out of it and you go, "All right, I'm not I'm I'm they're not here for me. I'm here for them." You right, know, and right. that's one of the pitfalls of being an artist is sometimes you get into this thinking that the audience is, you know, there to just dig on what you've done and really it's it's the reverse. You know, you're you have something you have to say and you're just very 
you know, you're very lucky. You're very blessed that there is an audience for it. There are people connecting with it. And, uh, and I think playing, you know, for the troops certainly did that. And then playing for kids. I mean, if you can bring a smile to somebody's face, who's going through a hard time, you just think, boy, that's, that's, that's really why you should do this. It's, it's not, it's not, there's not much more rewarding than that. Um, right. Right. Well, one of the, you mentioned too in the Ted talk about one of your lowest points of your career, when you wrote uh, that song that sort of sounded like Simon and Garfunkel, how, yeah. how did that happen? And how did you kind of, you know, find the strength to kind of go through that? And go, All right, you know what, let's just kind of take care of it and then rewrite the song. Yeah, well, that's a, another, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question. And I, I think it's relevant in a lot of ways to, to this podcast. But I, um, so, you know, the, the backstory on that for anybody that doesn't know is just that I, I was, uh, I was on a record label and they came to me and said, Steven, we really, we like you. We really dig your music. Um, but you got to give us something we can get on the radio or placed in a TV show. And so they had a number of writers they wanted me to write with. And uh, I did. And I went out and I met with uh, some different folks and I found a producer. And, you know, I, I found myself writing in ways that, that were less familiar to me. Uh, basically, at the end of the day, we put out a song that was sounded so much like a hit that it sounded like someone else's hit, you know, and, and, and no one really said anything about it. When we turned it into the label, people said, this is great. This is great. It's cool. It was awesome. And he did it. Right. And as soon as we put it out, you know, my fans, they're not, these are, these, they're very real people. These aren't people that are just, you know, I'm not a pinup. Yeah. You know? So as soon as it came out, a lot of people said, man, this sounds like Cecilia. Like this sounds like someone else's song. So all of a sudden you're sitting there feeling like the biggest, uh, I don't know if people curse on your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You're feeling like the biggest dick in the world. Right, right. (laughs) So you feel just like, how did this happen? You know? Um, and so I, I started, you know, it was so low and I'm sitting there in my office checking it out to see how bad it is, you know? And my then four-year-old daughter walks in and says, Daddy, you know, your, your song sounds uh, – a Paul Simon song sounds like your song. And, I'm, and, that, was, and that was it for me. I just right. said, I can't do this. I can't get behind this song now that it's been brought to light that this is, a, mm-hmm. you know, much of a – too much – too similar. I can't do it. So I called the label. I called my manager and I said, we, we got to pull this off the shelf and, you know, I'll rewrite the song or we'll, you know, we'll just go again. And, and I, and I, I knew that might tank my relationship with some radio stations. I knew it would, mm. you know, probably cost me that particular record deal. Cause you know, I put them in a precarious position, yeah. right? But, it, but as soon as I did that, as soon as I, I said, I don't care. Whatever we have to do, you know, I wrote a letter to the fan base and said, hey, we didn't realize that we were ripping this off to the degree that we were. And so sorry about that. And we're going to rewrite it. You know, this isn't my jam. This isn't how I roll. And mm-hmm. sorry, you know, sometimes you screw up and you make yeah. a mistake. And uh, as soon as we said that, then it's not really my problem anymore mm-hmm. because I've done I literally had done everything I could do. Mm-hmm. And we. We ended up re-releasing the song, and it became a very popular song, even though none of the radio stations that, that had been playing it, they all stopped playing it because it's 
it was a little bit of a Jerry Maguire moment for me, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I not, but not one I have ever regretted because then I felt like, then I felt like this is awesome. This is what uh, I'm about. You know, this yeah. is who I, I'm, I'm that guy that will actually blow his own business up to, so that I can look at my kids at night and sleep yeah. again. And you learn from it. You know, it's not a mistake. I feel that we've ever made again, where you're trying to write, you want something so bad. You're trying to write like someone mm-hmm. else. You know, it's just. So that was a low point, and it ended up being a, probably the best learning experience ever. And yeah, I was glad to have the opportunity at, at the TED Talk. That was it had happened a couple of years earlier, so mm-hmm. it was nice in some ways to publicly acknowledge like, and this is one of the biggest screw ups I've ever made <laughs> in my life. You know. Well, I think that's it's, it's. I think anybody can do that in in any your career. You know, and and it's just finding. You know, the courage to go, all right, let me face this, let me deal with this, and, you know, hopefully everything is going to be better. Yeah, I certainly, you know, I, I, I would still be sitting here now talking to you, telling myself, you know, having to tell myself, oh, you know, I'm not a bad person, it's okay if I hadn't, if I hadn't come, come clean. When you screw up, and everybody does at some point, you just gotta, you gotta own it, and then, and then you really do, you get your peace back, but in the in that little brief moment where we were debating and waffling, well, what do we do? Do we try to stand behind it? You know, I mean, I, I was sick to my stomach and I felt awful, and uh, I'm just I'm not cut out for that sort of that sort of stuff, you know. And right, right. Well, last question I have for you. So, in in your TED talk, you mentioned that pizza is um, not arguably or argu- what do you say about pizza is the greatest food ever, right? Yeah, no, I I pretty much lay that out there as an objective fact. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Well, and and then you get excited on a Friday night when the pizza guy is coming. So uh, you have a big family. What's your like go to pizzas on on a Friday night? Well, I mean, depending on where I am, I have my favorite pizza places. But yeah. I, I in the suburb where I live, we go to this pizza place, Julian's, and we get. Uh, there's there's two we get cheese for the kids because they still they're all about that and right. cheese is wonderful great but uh, and then there's this steak and potato pizza that just rules uh-huh. my world it's like it's like ter- steak teriyaki and little mashed potato goodness and but I mean I I, I will eat any pizza and I my I, my biggest challenge is to limit myself to make <laughs> so, right exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I, I think most people would go probably say, yeah, yeah, pizza is the greatest food ever. Yeah. I re- I mean, it's just yeah. Right. I, feel like it, it, I mean, I'm willing to hear arguments to the contrary, mm-hmm. but I don't think that I, I'm ever going to be wrong about saying that. You and know? and you can go to so many countries, most countries in this world, like boom, yeah, they have their own version of pizza too. It's true. Uh, it's true, and you can usually find pretty great pizza uh-huh. in a lot. A lot of places, and and then place some places don't get it, but it's still okay with me. Like I never bum out about a pizza, really. Even frozen pizza is pretty great. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, yeah. where can people find your music and and also catch um, your tours co- coming up? Where your website? Yeah, the website's you know the website is stephenkellogg dot com. It's S T E P H E N K E L L O G G dot com, and that. We've really tried to make that the main the main go to. Um, Facebook is Stephen Kellogg Music, and there's obviously a lot of uh, information up there too. But we do a lot of stuff on our website where we'll just give away free tracks, and we'll you know we do a lot because we we feel like we're a small brand, but we really we really want to be connected to our people. So we try to put a lot of the 
the good stuff on, on our own website. So stephenkellogg.com, I'd say, is the best information avenue there. Gonna choose sunlight Gonna drink wine Bound to win a few fights Before my time